Hello, Rebecca Langley here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. I want to acknowledge that this program was recorded on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and brought to you on your local community radio station thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation. This week, we'll be hearing from Brett Edgington, Secretary of the Ballarat Trades and Labor Council, about the history of the Ballarat Trades Hall and union matters in Ballarat. Then, Sally Warren from United Voice will be talking about her experience as an aged care worker and why she chose to speak at the Royal Commission. But first, some union news. On Monday, March 25th, the Victorian Trades Hall Council declared support for the Japurung Embassy after the Andrews government rejected calls to stop work on the Western Highway extension. Minister for Transport Infrastructure Jacinta Allen has written to traditional owners saying that Vic Roads have the green light to proceed with construction, leading to over 70 Japurung traditional owners and their supporters meeting on country over the weekend to reaffirm their commitment to protect the 800-year-old sacred trees standing in the path of the extension between Beaufort and Ararat in Victoria's West. The embassy, to prevent bulldozers moving in to destroy the trees, has now been in place for 10 months. The meeting was attended by the local native title claimant group Eastern Ma and was called to confirm support for the embassy by the Victorian Trades Hall Council, who on Friday passed a historic motion in solidarity with Japarung traditional owners. Spokesperson and Japarung traditional owner Mariki Onis said it means a lot to us to now have the support of the Victorian Trades Hall Council. This project does not have our consent and it won't have until cultural mapping has been undertaken and a new cultural heritage management plan has been developed so we know exactly what cultural and natural values will be destroyed by this current easement for the Western Highway extension. We're alarmed by the Andrews government's refusal to properly consult with traditional owners or undertake cultural mapping so that we can make decisions with free, prior and informed consent regarding the easement for the new road. We are also angry that when members of the public contact the Andrews government in support of our concerns, they are told traditional owners were consulted. We were not. The way our concerns, elders and cultural values are being dismissed by the Andrews government gives us no confidence they are undertaking the current treaty negotiations with traditional owners in good faith. The protection of high cultural and natural values must be part of any treaty process, not destroyed while the treaty process is underway. Victorian Trades Hall Council motion reads, The Victorian Trades Hall Council stands with the Jafurung community in their campaign to stop the removal and destruction of important sacred trees threatened by Vic Road's planned Western Highway extension. We acknowledge their staunch and ongoing resistance to this attack on their identity and culture. We call on Vic Roads and the government to work with their community to urgently resolve this issue and stand ready to take solidarity action if this fails to occur. 
Senator Bernie Sanders 2020 campaign announced on Friday the 15th of March that it would be the first major presidential campaign to have a unionised workforce as party activists push Democratic candidates to mirror their progressive platforms within their own campaigns. Bernie Sanders is the most pro-union candidate in the field. He'll be the most pro-union president in the White House and we're honoured that his campaign will be the first to have a unionised workforce. Sanders campaign manager Faiz Shakir said in a statement. Over the past week, a majority of the staff's bargaining unit employees designated United Food and Commercial Workers, or UFCW, Local 400 to represent them. The campaign stayed neutral during organising efforts and voluntarily recognised the union once a majority of staffers signed union cards, according to both the campaign and the union. UFCW Local 400 President Mark P. Federici said in a statement he expects the decision will mean pay parity and transparency for Sanders' campaign, along with no gender bias or harassment and equal treatment for every worker, whether they're in Washington, D.C., Iowa, New Hampshire or anywhere else. Federici added that the union will represent all employees below the rank of deputy director and negotiations for a collective bargaining agreement will begin as soon as possible. The 2018 midterms saw over 20 Democratic campaigns and multiple state parties unionise under the Campaign Workers Guild and other established unions like UFCW as staffers pushed for better pay and working conditions, a move that came during a broader activist push on the party and its elected officials to live up to the minimum wage and union policies they support when it comes to their own staff. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. This week on Wednesday, I went to Ballarat and visited Ballarat Trades Hall for a yarn and a cuppa. Here's some of my chat with Secretary Brett Edgington. Excellent. So my, my name is Brett Edgington. I'm the elected secretary of Ballarat Regional Trades and Labor Council. Yeah. And I've been in the position now for nearly five years yeah. as the secretary. Um, council here meets on the second Tuesday of every month and uh, have been meeting here in this building uh, at least since 1887. So mm. um, we'll head up to the council chambers later and can have a look at the meeting space. But, yeah. Um, it's great to be the secretary of the second oldest trades and labour council in the world after Melbourne's. Yeah. Um, and we always thought we had a, a story uh, in Ballarat that had been passed down for many years that our council started in October 1856 with the Early Closing Association. But we've had a, a PhD student, Jenny Beecham, who's working on the history of our hall at the moment. And Jenny's uncovered, in fact, um, from the age newspapers that have just been digitised and put onto Trove that, um, in fact, we started much earlier than that. It was actually only six days after the Melbourne Stonemasons marched in on April the 21st, 1856, that there was a meeting here in Ballarat, um, very symbolically on Bakery Hill, the site where the monster meetings took place. Um, and James Oddie, who was the mayor of Ballarat at the time and a very significant Ballarat historical figure, chaired a meeting and it took place on Bakery Hill, the site, of course, of the monster meetings, and established a Ballarat Eight Hour Committee. So we can now proudly say that we're, we're six days younger than Melbourne's council. Yeah. And what's changed over that time? Like, 
the landscape and a lot of changes have happened in society. Like what, what's changed for that trade school? Well, I guess from our trades hall point of view, so obviously the, the original members of the council in 1886 were the operative, mainly sort of building construction uh, unions. Um, very early on in our history, fortunately, um, in 1891, at the 7th Intercolonial Trades and Labor Congress that happened in Ballarat, we had a female delegate, Sarah Muir, from the Tayloresses Union. So um, women start to get involved. This is a recognition, especially the Tayloresses Union, in the early, um, I guess, pushes against sweating um, in factories. Um, we see also in Ballarat probably another really big transformation that happens around that time as the Factories Act comes in and Ballarat was um, had a significant player in the introduction of the first Factories Act and that saw um, uh, children taken out of working in factories, um, anti-sweating provisions put in to protect um, female employees, especially in clothing and textile industries. Um, and what was the start of a very rudimentary and basic um, health and safety regime with the factory inspectors. So that's sort of the early part of Ballarat. Um, these days, you know, the, our councils are very different. The, the average union member that we now have in Ballarat is a, a female professional working in health and education. They make up, you know, well over 50% of our membership now. Um, with the, the public servants and health um, unions, the nurses um, and teachers sort of growing, that are now becoming the, the biggest part of our membership here in Ballarat. Um, the nature of our councils changed. Um, great, though, that we, we still meet in the same room. We still discuss industrial issues. Um, council's growing at the moment, which is excellent. So um, the number of delegates we have on council are growing in the interest in our meetings. Uh, and it's really good that we haven't now had an incorrect meeting for more than five years. Um, we meet with a full council. Meetings take place once a month, and um, it's a really active group of people that uh, you know are pushing in the Ballarat region, not only in their own industries but for other industries, and, of course, joining in big campaigns like Change the Rules, uh, fighting for industrial manslaughter, those sort of things. So really dynamic council in Ballarat now. Yeah. So cool, and uh, I know you also have like other groups meeting in uh, meeting in this space. Like, how mm. how is it? Uh, yeah, open to community and, and all that kind of thing. Well, I think it's really important as a trade union movement that um, I think we need to look after workers, not just in their industries and in their workplaces, but also in their communities. So, being part of that social fabric and social change is really really important. So, our whole we see as a really genuine community resource and space and we have everyone that meets here from um, survivors of clergy abuse group AA groups um, language classes so there's French and um, Mandarin uh, Auslan um, the Chinese community in Ballarat use the hall um, for traditional ladies dancing and, and uh, lion dancing um, and apart from that lots of music events and other events that bring people into the space and I think that's really important both to normalise um, I guess a lot of people in the community don't know what the union movement is or what we're about and to bring them into our space and to you know, introduce them to our philosophies I think really important having the door open and having that sort of transaction where the community is in our space and, and interacting with us. Yeah, it must be really awesome to to think about the mm. decisions or conversations that have been had in this space and 
Well, they're sort of lucky too because we had um, James Scullin was a delegate to our council, went on to become Prime Minister. John Curtin was a delegate to council, went on to become Prime Minister. Um, people like Teddy Rowe, um, National Communist Leader, Leader of the Engineering Union, significant figure, went on to become a Senator. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just the history of the characters through the place. And yeah. um, William Guthrie Spence was a delegate to council. Um, so, uh, uh, David Temple. So, a lot of those early union leaders that we now regard as, you know, sort of the founders of, of our movement, um, all spent time as delegates in this room. Yeah. It's really inspiring. Our, our buildings on this site, very specifically, because it was the mm. government campsite in 1854 where the, the soldiers left from to attack miners. And there was a sense in 1886 when the site was selected that it was reclaiming this site for the working people of Ballarat. And we have this magnificent view of what yeah. the government camp had of the goldfields. Yeah. Um, we want to do something with that, you know, whatever form that takes. But to be able to get the public up to interpret that view. Yeah, and tell the story. And tell, yeah. Yeah. Because we can tell the story from, um, you know, before the arrival of... Um, um, gold miners uh, into the region, the indigenous story of the, of the valley, but also first discovery of gold all the way through to the stockade that you can get just from standing on the back of the block yeah. here. And mm. So is there also a strong link with the local Aboriginal people? Yes, yeah, so we um, have a really good relationship with the co-op. A um, number of our delegates uh, uh, um, Uncle Doug um, who's one of our beloved delegates from the CFMEU. Um, Uncle Doug's from the local mob here and um, proudly sits on our council as a, a CFMEU old rigger. Um, but, yeah, we do have really good relationships with, with both the co-op here. Um, one of the great things that happens recently is the staff of the co-op approach the hall about unionising um, the, the co-op here in Ballarat. Oh, wow, cool. And the ASU's done some, some really good work. Um, in uh, over 20 members there now at Paddock, um, ASU members currently negotiating enterprise agreement, um, voted for and agreed on their log of claims. Um, so there's, there's some really good, amazing work happening in that space. Yeah, it's really cool. And what are some of the struggles that union members are facing in Ballarat? So, look, I've, I've had a concern for quite a long time now um, that as union membership's declining um, and density's declining, that a lot of unions are retreating back into Melbourne. Okay. Um, what we're seeing is, um, and I'll look at my name, the unions, but with some unions as regional organisers are retiring, they're not being replaced. Um, regional members more and more are being told, uh, here's a 1800 number if you have a problem at work. Um, now, you know, I was always of the opinion that if you paid your union dues, you, you deserve to see an organiser in your workplace at least a couple of times a year, whether you had a problem or not. Um, and what regional members are facing is that they often they pay, they pay the same dues as their counterparts in Melbourne, but they're not getting that same level of service. I mean, there's unions now that just won't come out of Melbourne to service regional Victoria. Um, and that's really letting their membership down, um, both industrially but also health and safety-wise as well, um, where there's, there's just not that support. Um, and look, roughly 25% of the, the union membership in Victoria sits in regional Victoria. So, you know, it's 
between a third and a quarter of their entire membership sits in regional Victoria outside of Melbourne. Um, and I don't think at the moment some unions are giving it the 25 to 33% of their time. And I think regional unions' membership is suffering as a result of that. And there's some unions that do it really well. Like, you know, some unions that have regional organisers are out here, they're with their membership every day. And what you find is those unions are actually picking up membership in regional Victoria and are really, really strong. But where unions have walked away from the regions and replaced face-to-face service with 1-800 numbers, um, their density's declining, their membership's declining. And, and it's a problem because once wages, once they drive down wages and conditions amongst regional workforces, that's going to infect them in Melbourne, affect them in Melbourne eventually. You know, there's a lot of places that'll have a um, couple of different sites. They'll have a site in Melbourne, they'll have a site in regional Victoria, and those bosses at one point are going to go, oh, I'm paying my regional Victorian site. Their conditions and wages are much less. We have to be strong everywhere. Um, you know, if you allow the membership out here to fall and the conditions and the wages of regional members to fall, it will catch up with you in Melbourne. I don't think there's secretaries that are aware of that. Mm. Heading down from there, you get to AJ Rowe and McAdam, um, Senators, Rowe significant communist figure in Australia um, national president of the engineering unions um, you know, played a really significant role in Australian politics um, in his day along with people like Spence and um, Spence was never a president but was a delegate to council um, I think the other thing that's really nice on that board is that you see um, 1964, um, Len Chong, yeah. um, Harold Fu in 74, so you yeah. end up with um, Chinese presidents recognised in council um, from the unions and most of the, from the workshops yeah. um, coming out of the rail- railway unions and engineering unions. Um, of course, the other really significant thing that happens is um, 1989, Dulcie Corbett is the first female president of the Trades and Labor Council. Yeah. Took us a while. <laughs> so what's your favourite thing in this archive? Are you pro- do you know every piece in here? <laughs> most most pieces. Stalin on the cover of Women's Weekly is one of my favourite pieces. Oh my god! <laughs> yep, that's classic. So this this is just after World War Two. Of course, Stalin, great ally, routes the Germans. Um, Women's Weekly puts him on the cover. Uh, but sort of only afterwards, I guess, that his sort of murderous rampage and tyrannical reign um, is realised. But it's Women's Weekly with Stalin as on the on the front cover is one of our great allies and leaders after after the war. Yeah, so even with pipe in his mouth <laughs> and everything. <laughs> one of my favourite pieces. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a really good one. That's the archive of the um, Ballarat Pride Hub's marriage equality campaign. Yeah, cool. So the Pride Hub, working at a trades hall, ran a really amazing campaign on marriage equality. 
the figures in Ballarat were quite astronomical. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's really important, I think, to have that collection of the material that they put out. Because yeah. um, certainly the marriage equality debate for future generations is yes. going to be a really important piece yeah. of history. Yeah. So, quite, uh, so being conscious of putting that away and just having it there. You're listening to Stick Together, union news and social justice issues on your local community radio station. Thanks to Brett Edgington, Secretary of the Ballarat Trades and Labor Council, for sharing with us. Now we're going to hear from Sally Warren from United Voice about her experience working in aged care and why she spoke at the Royal Commission in Adelaide this week. Yeah, so thanks so much, Sally, for for joining us today on Stick Together. Would you be able to just uh, tell us uh, where you're from? And uh, I know you went on Tuesday, was it, to Adelaide to speak at the Royal Commission? Yes, that's right. I did. I represented um, the aged care community sector um, for Western Australia. Yes, and was that for what union were you with? I'm with United Voice. Yeah, and uh, could you tell... Tell us a bit about your experience and share uh, maybe a bit about what you said at the Royal Commission. I've got three years in the industry. I had a private client for a year. I've been working almost two years for the company I'm employed with now. Um, what I spoke about at the uh, Commission was issues that are sort of close to my heart and which I truly do believe in is the consistency of the workers that are going into these clients' houses because we have frightened, vulnerable people out there. And the last thing they want to see, and they've told me quite a few times of family members, is to see different faces. And I know that's not always feasible due to um, staff being sick, taking holidays, or life happening. But the continuity and the consistency is very, very important, I believe. Also, I believe, obviously, um, the rate of pay that we get paid does not reflect the duties and the tasks that we do. And I really do believe that this needs to be looked at and reviews because otherwise the industry could lose um, experience and valuable members. Yes. And that would be very sad as we all know this is an ageing society and the baby boomers will be calling out for the services now and you really do need key players, good, good, good workers in the industry that want to stay and pass their knowledge and skills and experience on to the people that are just joining the industry. Yeah. And do you enjoy the work that you do? I do, actually. And I, I said at the Royal Commission, I never, ever thought aged care would be an industry I would go to. I mean, I'm a former policewoman from England many moons ago, and I've also been involved in community services in the drug and alcohol sector. Now that I've been in aged care, I've, I really do enjoy it. And the interesting thing is people who don't work in the industry seem to think all we do is sit and have cups of tea with people and take them out shopping. That is only a tiny aspect of what we do. Yeah. And... You know, and what, Sorry, yeah. So what are some of the other things that you do? We go in, um, we have like 15 minutes to do a welfare check to make sure that that person is okay to make them a cup of tea. And that could be because families are too busy to get to them, they're at work or they live too far away. It's just to make sure that, that maybe mum and dad or the grandparents are okay. We get to do um, med prompt, which could be to... We either give them medication, and that's all documented on the medication signing sheets. It could be oral, it could be topical cream, could be liquid, could be eye drops. We we do that. We go in. We could do like a, a breakfast service, what they call meal prep, personal care, which is showering. There is domestic assistance, which 
it's basically cleaning, but it's not a high level as cleaning. But obviously, we go in and it is, people seem to think it is a cleaning service as such. Yeah. Social support, we could take them out for walks. We could take them to um, shopping centres. Walk them, walk them around the shops. They might just want to go to a park. We transport them to medical appointments, doctor's appointments, taking them to hospital. It, it can really vary. And some people just are very, very lonely. And yeah. I said this at the commission. They're very isolated. And sometimes we could be the only human face that they see and speak to for days or weeks on end. And that can be heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, could you just maybe uh, share why why you think that it was so important uh, as a union member going to speak at the Royal Commission? I, I went, or I, I actually got approached to go and I didn't give it a second thought. I went because I truly do believe that um, the industry, obviously, because I remember when the Royal Commission went into the banking and the bad stuff come out, so obviously there will be aspects of this industry that will need a look at that will need major reviewing and and that's good but also I want good news to come out of this as well I just don't want this to be to be doom and gloom and I'm glad that I was called to say my my piece because I'm what you call boots on the ground I do this for a living and Mm -hmm. I don't quote some textbooks I'm not a textbook junkie I speak as I find and I go in and I I say what my my clients want what mm. their concerns are, the good things, and I say what I feel because it's something you do become passionate about because you're in these people's lives and you do have an impact not only just on them but on the family as well and it has a far-reaching effect. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say thank you for all the work that you do. Um, but also, how can uh, people support this industry and uh, and you as um, union members, like they might be part of the union movement. How can they support, uh, yeah, aged care workers? I think to listen, basically, to listen to, to what we have to say. I mean, obviously, the, the major bugbear will always be the rate of pay because yeah. it really does need to be looked at, but it, it needs to be lifted. I jokingly said we're never going to be offered FIFO rates to do the job we do, but the, the rate of pay that we should be getting on a fair basis should reflect the level of um, commitment that we do because this isn't this is not an easy job at all. Even though people, I mentioned before, people seem to think that it is. It's not glamorous, you know. We have people with um, Parkinson's, various stages of dementia. There are mental health issues. There are so many issues at play. You just don't. You never judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sally. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no. I've, I, as I said, I just hope to hear some good news to, to come out of this commission. And it will be very interesting to listen to all the findings and equally to see what the government is willing to do about this. Otherwise, what's the point in having a commission if nothing gets overhauled or changed? And I really hope that it does. Yeah. Thanks so much. Me too. I hope uh, I hope we can see some change from this. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening and thanks to Brett Edgington and Sally Warren for talking to us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au 
and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 0394198377 and leaving us a message. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Rebecca Langley. Catch you next time.